Well, good morning, Springs. How's everybody doing? Oh, no. Come on. How's everybody doing? Everybody all right? Okay, I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. I know it's Memorial Day weekend, right? Uh, you might have slept in a little bit. Uh, as Thomas said, my name's Mike. I'm the campus pastor at the Villages Campus. It's so good to be with you here in Ocala today on this unofficial start of summer, right? Like my wife's a teacher. Ginger's a teacher at Villages Elementary Lady Lake. Her last day was Friday. My daughter, Hope, just finished her junior year. Okay, she's already making me call her a senior. All right. She just finished on Friday. So it is summer in the Stortz house, the unofficial start of it. And maybe I don't know whether you realize this or not, but about 33 years ago, a national phenomena started on this weekend. Um, it's the Memorial Day travel forecast by AAA. Maybe you heard somebody mention this the last few days. Like in my house, uh, Ginger watches live with Kelly and Mark and I was with her on Thursday while she was watching. It just happened to be on. So I watched too. I don't want, I don't watch that show. I just want you to know, okay. And they were talking about this, right? Um, I thought they just guessed at this, but I actually found out the last few weeks, there's a lot of science and research every year that goes behind this. And just so you know, this weekend, if you wondered why there was so much traffic in Ocala, 42 million people will travel at least 50 miles from their home this weekend. Most of those, most of those will be by car. 37 million people will travel more than 50 miles this weekend from their home. My family is actually going to partake in this. Um, we're actually uh, gonna take off right after the 12 o'clock service here in Ocala, right? I mentioned a few weeks ago that my son Solomon just graduated college and he's actually moving to Oklahoma City. He got a job with Uversion. He's gonna make sure the Bible app keeps working for us. And we are gonna travel 18 hours, right? And 24 minutes, 1,233 miles in the next two days. Yes, you can tell I am excited, right? And listen, on a weekend like this, we mostly would travel for leisure, maybe to go to the beach or to Disney World. Or like Solomon, you're, it's a new start. It's a new job. And it's traveling halfway across the country. But as we started talking about in this series last week, Among Lions, by the way, if you weren't here last week, Pastor Joe did an incredible job giving us an introduction to the book of Daniel and walking us through chapter one. I would encourage you to go back and watch it, right? Um, it, uh, that the Jews um, were forced to travel to Babylon in captivity, not like us where we travel when we want to. In fact, I got a map. Yeah, check this out. Um, they actually were forced to travel about the same distance I'm going to go, about 1,200 miles. Now, I know you're thinking right away, they weren't too smart. Why didn't they go straight across, right? Well, 3,000 years ago, that was a desert that you weren't going to make it across alive, right? So they would actually, it was the, called the King's Highway. It followed the Jordan River and then came down the Euphrates River. And that's how they got to Babylon. It took them maybe a month to four months, depending at the rate they walked to make that journey. And here's the crazy thing about the book of Daniel, right? And Joe talked about this last week is that the reason that the Babylonians took them back, they didn't want to destroy Jerusalem, they didn't want to take it out. 
They wanted to indoctrinate them, right? They took the best, the brightest from Jerusalem, took them back to Babylon, took all the finances, all the riches with them. And then they wanted to indoctrinate the people and send them back to Jerusalem so they could expand the Babylonian empire. That's how they became stronger. But as Joe talked about last week, that didn't happen. In fact, Daniel and his friends did the exact opposite than survive in captivity. They actually thrive in captivity. And the book of Daniel for us is really a roadmap of how we can live a godly life in the midst of a godless culture. And I don't know about you, but for my family, like the last few weeks, I felt like we were surviving way more than we were thriving. I've talked to people this morning, just the last few days, that man, it's been a rough week, right? It has been a rough season. It's been a rough life. But here's what the book of Daniel wants to say to us. It wants to say to us that, hey, no matter what your circumstances are or where you find yourself, you can thrive. You can thrive. Because they did, and we should be able to too. So if you're in the room today and you're a follower of Jesus, I just want to encourage you in this message that you can live for God in a culture that you feel like is different, that you feel like it's hard for you to fit in. And maybe you're here today and you're just checking things out or somebody invited you. We're so glad you're here, right? Last week at the Villages campus, we had so many guests. We had people who just drove by, saw there were a bunch of cars. They were like stacked on top of each other there, right? And they're like, we gotta check this out, right? Or we had a couple folks that went to a small group before they ever came to the campus and they came last week. Um, and, the, and the whole thing is, I just wanna point you towards that you can have peace in the midst of an unpeaceful situation, that you can find hope in the midst of hopelessness. All right, now I'm gonna pick up the story today in Daniel 3. So if you got the Bible app notes on your seat, you can follow along. Joe mentioned last week in Daniel chapter one that Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they're teenagers in chapter one. When we pick up the story in chapter three, it's about 20 years later. And as much as I hate to say it, they're a little bit younger than me. These guys are in their mid to late 30s. All right. I know I don't look that old. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. And uh, so we're going to pick up the story there. But before we get to the verses where I'm going to jump in, I just want to give you a summary um, of the beginning of chapter three. There's a guy named Nebuchadnezzar and he's the king of Babylon. And he decides to make an idol, an image that's 90 feet tall and nine feet wide, made out of solid gold. Right. And he sets this thing up. And a dedication ceremony, he decides to invite everyone of importance in his kingdom to come to it. Well, when they get there, he throws them a little bit of a curveball. He says, hey, Mike Stewart's version, by the way, when you hear a musical instrument played, you have to bow down and worship this awesome thing that I've made. By the way, if you don't worship it, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. Oh, okay. Right? Now I know that this sounds really foreign to us. I don't think you're gonna walk out of here today and somebody's gonna ask you to bow down to a 90 foot tall, nine foot wide golden statue. But I do have what I've turned for this message, some new idols in our life. And I just wanna share them with you real quick, okay? So the first one is, is they tend to fit in our pocket. This is where I spend my money. And this is how I spend my time. 
right? The second one are ideologies. They're systems of behavior and thoughts that dictate how we view and treat other people. Or they could be a person, a place, or a thing. Just like Pastor Joe said last week, it's really anything that comes between us and our relationship with God. So we might not have 90 foot tall golden statues, but we still can have some idols in our life. So we're gonna jump in chapter three, verse eight. It says, but some of the astrologers, that term in Hebrew is actually fortune tellers, went to the king and informed on the Jews. Don't miss this. 20 years has passed since they've been in Babylon and these guys are still known first and foremost for their faith. And then the story goes on. It says, these guys go to the king and say, hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, like you're super awesome. And you told us to do this thing, right? But we know that like these guys don't do it. And you issued this decree. Like if you hear music and you don't bow down, you're gonna get thrown into the furnace. And then he picks up and he says, but there are some Jews. Don't forget that term, some Jews. We're gonna come back to that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. So just like I said, they are known not just for their faith for the last 20 years, they're in charge. They're in charge of the whole province. And then these fortune tellers say, but they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and they do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. And the story goes on. This makes Nebuchadnezzar a little upset. All right. So he calls in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, hey, guys. Did you not hear what I said? Like I told you, when you hear the music, you bow down, you worship the image. I'm gonna give you one more chance. If you don't do it, I'm throwing you in the furnace. And who's gonna save you from my power if you don't do what I say? So this brings me to the first thing I see for us in this passage today is that the furnace is inevitable. The furnace is inevitable. Now I'm speaking figuratively, not literally, right? You cannot live your life, I can't live my life without having a furnace experience. I am speaking as a self-professed furnace dodger at every point where I can. Like I wanna avoid situations like this. But there are gonna be plenty of times in our life where we're gonna feel like our backs are against the wall. We can feel the heat on our face and we are in the line of fire. In fact, Jesus in the New Testament talked about this in the book of John. He says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. I'm just full of encouragement today, right? Um, but listen, we're all gonna have a furnace experience. Maybe for you right now, your furnace experience is an ongoing battle with depression and anxiety. Maybe the furnace for you is a marriage that you're in that you really, really, really want it to work. And you work at it hard, but the more you work at it, the worse off it gets. Maybe the furnace for you is you've just lost someone close to you and inside you're drowning in grief. Maybe it's an ongoing health problem from cancer to chronic pain or something in between. And no matter how many times you go to the doctor, how much money you throw at it, you get no relief. Or maybe it's just like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego for you. The furnace is when you're falsely accused or you're criticized, when you've had every intention of doing the right thing. And whatever circumstance you find yourself in, 
We lie awake at night asking God to take this thing out of our life. And it sounds like he's not listening or he doesn't want to answer. I want you to know the furnace is inevitable. Like the furnace doesn't show up in your life with a checklist of questions. Like when one comes in my life, it doesn't go, are you a good person? Yes or no? Do you love God? Are you a Christ follower? Oh, you are? Oh, I'll go to your neighbor's house, which you want to have happen anyway, right? Okay. It doesn't do that. When a furnace shows up, man, we're put in a situation where it's inevitable we're going to face it. And in the New Testament, James actually talks about this. We're going to pick up in James 1, verse 12. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. So the first thing is when a furnace comes in our life, we actually get to look at it two different ways. In fact, free Greek lesson for today, not going to charge you for it, okay? Testing and temptation in the Greek is one word. It's one word. Whether you view it as a test or whether you view it as a temptation is up to you and up to me. It's a matter of our perspective. It goes a little like this. Let me explain. So I have, I have an experience in my life, a furnace. I know it's coming. I can say, God, what are you doing? Why would you allow this to happen in my life? Like, God, you know, when this comes into my life, how I normally respond. Like, this is not going to help the relationship between the two of us. Like, why are you allowing this to happen? See, I view that furnace as a temptation. But that same experience can come into my life and I can say this instead, God, I don't understand why this is happening in my life, but I'm looking forward to what you're gonna do in me and through me because of this thing in my life. Now I'm viewing it as a test and God leaves it up to us. In fact, he goes on to say, afterward, if we view it as a test, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, the first thing is the furnace is inevitable and we get to respond how we want to, to it, God allows that. But there's also a second thing I want to tell you about the furnace. It doesn't include just dumb stuff we do, right? Like I'm leaving after church to drive to Oklahoma, okay? If I get in the car and I get to the Georgia state line and I don't know why, but there's been a lot of country songs written about the Georgia Highway Patrol. I don't get it, but whatever. And I decide to drive hundred on the interstate in Georgia and I get pulled over and they impound my car and they give me a big ticket and throw me in jail. I can't just say, this is my furnace. I can't do that. No, I was being dumb, right? Everybody understand that? The furnace is inevitable in our life. The furnace is inevitable. And the second thing the furnace does in us is the furnace reveals who I am. The furnace reveals who I am. So the story goes on. Nebuchadnezzar threatens these guys. This is their response starting in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Like this is a term of like honor to the king. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. 
He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Oh man. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. See, not only is the furnace inevitable, the furnace ultimately reveals who I am. It reveals who we really are and it refines who we're becoming. It tells us when it comes into our life, what we really believe. The furnace will tell you what you're really made of and what your character is. See, notice the response of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Here's the thing, this gold image was not built in a day. Like they knew it was coming. So what did they decide to do? They decided how they were gonna respond. They didn't wait until the moment to respond like I do sometimes, right? And I, I thought of a couple different ways that these guys could have responded here. The first one is they could have responded confrontationally. This is my favorite, by the way, just, you know, confession, all right? Like they could have been like, Nebuchadnezzar, your name is obviously bigger than your IQ, right? <laughs> because this gold statue is the dumbest idea in the history of mankind. And you think your furnace is hot? Brother, when you get to hell, the flames there are way hotter than your furnace because that's where you're gonna go because you done built this thing, right? Or, or they could have been compliant, right? Hey, like, hey, we're so sorry. Like, we didn't understand what you said. You know, you meant that image over there. We were looking over here, like we missed it. Sorry about that. And you know, it's really loud here in Babylon and we've lived here 20 years. So we're kind of hard of hearing. And we didn't hear you say bow down. We thought you said stand up, like our bad. Like we'll just go along with everybody else and we'll bow down. They didn't do that either. See, they were actually courageous. We need to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We need to be courageous in our convictions. That's because that's what it's going to require when we're faced with a furnace. We have to be courageous with what we already know and believe. I, I, I love this quote. It says this, it says, convictions are all about the choices that we make before we're challenged. Convictions are all about the choices we make before we're challenged. Because there's three groups of people in this story. There's the people of God. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know that. There's the people of Babylon. We get who they are. But there's a third group that I referenced earlier that are really confusing. It says some Jews. You know what that means? That there are folks there bowing down to an image who said, they followed God. And don't we see that a lot? Like, man, I grew up in church. You know, I was raised in church. I love God, I'm a Christian. I gave my life to him, but I really don't like what God says about whatever you just thought of. I'm gonna change it up a little bit. I'm gonna do my own thing. Oh man, I really love God, but you know, I got this idol in my life. And God talks about generosity, but I like to spend my money where I like to spend it. So God, you do you and I'll do me and we'll be good, but I'm gonna hold on to this, right? Or maybe it's one of those other new idols in your, in your life. Like whatever you look at on your phone when nobody else is around. And it's like, man, God, I'm gonna hold on to this thing. Like I actually love this thing more than you. 
but we're cool. It's the people of God who live like Babylonians. See, we got to change it up. We got to determine our convictions ahead of time before we're in the furnace, before our backs are against the wall. That's what Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego did. They didn't decide the day before. They were living for God for 20 years. They were spending time in his word. They were praying to him. They were living for him. And then when the test came, they were able to pass that test. And we can do the same thing if we start to act like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Faith is our ability to act on convictions when we're tested. And we know we can do this, right? Like when I was a kid, there was a thing in school that was called say no to drugs, right? Anybody remember that? The whole point was your teacher was gonna teach you everything bad about drugs during elementary school and middle school. So when you are presented with drugs, finally, cause it's gonna happen, you'll be like, oh, this is bad for me. I'm gonna say no. We have to do the same thing now as adults, as followers of Jesus. We have to know that the furnace is inevitable in our life and we have to reveal our character and say, hey, I'm gonna spend time with God. I'm gonna grow closer to him. So when the temptation comes, it ain't a temptation for me no more. Now it's a test and I'm looking forward to what God wants to do in my life. One more thing I see in this passage for us is when you're in the furnace, you're never alone. When you're in the furnace, you're never alone. Story goes on. Nebuchadnezzar got real mad, got real mad. Like dad's in the room. You ever been so mad at your kids? Like you can see it on your face. Like it, that's what it says in the text. It distorted Nebuchadnezzar's face. face. He got so mad when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said, nah, man, we ain't gonna bow down. That's the Mike Stortz version again, sorry, right? So here's what he does. He gets some guys, strongest dudes he can find in the kingdom, and they tie these three guys up. And then he decides, I'm gonna heat the furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been heated because I'm chucking these dudes in right now. And then he gets these guys, these super strong guys, to throw these guys in just a hint that this wasn't going the right way. When they throw them in, those guys died, and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego didn't. Okay, maybe Nebuchadnezzar wasn't that smart. Just saying, I don't know. All right, but then I'm gonna pick it up in verse 24. Don't miss this. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? He can count. He says, yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a God. When you are in the furnace, you are never alone. You may feel like you're alone. I felt alone before, but I'm not alone and you're not alone. I was thinking about this, like how are all the different ways, like what are the different ways that God could have saved these three guys? First one I thought of, Jesus shows up dressed like Rambo, right? Gun showing. Okay, he comes in, throws the flashbang, blinds all the Babylonians, rips the door off the furnace. And then he says something really cool and like a really awesome action movie, like superhero accent. And he grabs those three guys and they're out. Or God could have sent Gabriel and other angels in helicopters. That would have freaked them out a couple thousand years ago, right? And they drop in, take everybody out and they walk out with explosions of the furnace behind them, right? Hollywood style. Okay, or 
or God could have just put the fire out. But you know what? This gets me every time. God didn't do any of that. He didn't do any of it. God chose to save them by being with them. See, it reminds me of one of the first names we get for Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. This is what sets Jesus apart from any other system of belief because no other system of belief is gonna say, hey, like my God's gonna jump in the furnace with you. No way. But Jesus is like, I'll go, I'll join you in it. You're never alone when you have a relationship with Christ and you face a furnace in your life. See, Jesus took that on our behalf so we could be reconciled to God. In fact, when I read John 16, 33 earlier, I didn't read the whole verse to you, sorry, but I will now, okay? This is what he says. I have told you all this so you have, may have peace in me. Man, do you feel like you have peace today? Your peace does not come from you or what somebody else does for you. The ultimate peace comes from Jesus. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. How can I have peace in the middle of the furnace I'm in? Because my peace doesn't come from me and it doesn't come from you. It comes from Christ who went through the ultimate furnace for us. He went to the cross for us and he overcame. So he can stand in the fire with us because he's been there. Man, I was, I was thinking about this message and thinking about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and like the courage they showed when their life was on the line, like the courage they showed and the faith they showed. And it really reminded me of the real reason for this weekend. I said at the beginning is the unofficial start to summer. But really it's bigger than that. It's bigger than travel or barbecues or a pool party or a day off from work tomorrow, amen, right? See, Memorial Day weekend is a day we set aside to remember the 1.2 million men and women who have died to give us the freedom that we enjoy in this country. And in fact, at Arlington National Cemetery right now, I've been there uh, quite a few times, um, but today is the second annual Flowers of Remembrance Day where it's open to the public all day and you can take a single flower and lay it at the tomb of the unknown soldier. And thousands of people will line up today to lay a single flower at the tomb of a soldier that we don't even know who they are, but they died so we could be here today doing what we're doing. What is it in us that when we hear about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the courage they showed Or we think, I mean, I hope you take a moment like sometime this weekend to reflect on the sacrifice that millions of Americans have done for us. But what is it about those situations that make us take a step back and reflect like a holy moment? And see, I think it's because both of those things point towards what God wants to do in us and through us. See, in fact, God said through Solomon and Ecclesiastes that he put eternity in the human heart. Like when those moments come, that's because God's placed that there. And then Jesus said in John, hey, no greater love than this than for someone to lay down their life for one's friend. And ultimately he was talking about himself because this is what he goes on to say in Romans chapter five, starting in verse six. 
when we were utterly helpless, when we were in the furnace and we weren't getting out. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Listen, you're in the room today. I want you to know the furnace is inevitable in your life. You are gonna have a situation come that you're gonna have to put your faith in God to get you out of it or to get you through it with you, right? And I think, I think the thing that we gotta do is we gotta start changing our prayers from God, get me out of this thing to God, will you join me in this? Don't get me out of it, but join me in it. Be with me right here today because the furnace is inevitable and the furnace is gonna reveal what you really are all about, but you don't have to go through the furnace alone. Christ came and died and rose again so he could be with us in our furnace too. So he could come alongside us and give us peace and we can overcome this world. And it starts with a relationship with him. And if you've never, man, you've never taken that step and you're facing that furnace today, I just wanna encourage you, you can pray a prayer with me, not out loud, it just could be between you and God. And you can start that relationship with him today. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. It'll just go something like this. God, thank you for helping me when I was utterly helpless. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying for me when I was a sinner. Come into my life, change my life. God, change my character when I'm in the furnace. Thank you for joining me in it and work in and through me for the rest of my life for you. Thank you. And Jesus, I pray all this in your name, amen.